My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel of the Lord. Paint me as an un-American. I didn't watch a minute of the Super Bowl. I know, I know. I was tired. I was fighting off a head cold. And it was a few days out from Ash Wednesday. And honestly, I really couldn't care less. I don't usually anyway, but with all that was going on, I was kind of maxed out from even trying to pretend this year. But that being said, even without watching it, it's everywhere. So you can't escape knowing what happened. The, the close game that went into overtime, resulting... And the Chiefs winning back-to-back Super Bowl titles, the Taylor Swift sightings, and what commercials were the best. The Super Bowl is probably the only day of the year that people genuinely tune in to watch the commercials and then discuss them. Marketing executives pour in the best of creativity for this largest of television audiences of the year. They get people to talk about their ads and hopefully generate buzz for whatever it is that they're selling. And once again, this nonprofit organization whose stated purpose is to share the life and the love of Jesus in thought-provoking new ways, sponsored an ad that generated a lot of discussion. For the last few years, the He Gets Us campaign has taken out ads during the Super Bowl And this year, they had a spot called Foot Washing with a remake of the In Excess song that rock group called Never Tear Us Apart playing in the background. They showed these still-imaged pictures of people of different races and classes and genders and religions washing one another's feet, even across some obvious ideological divides. And one of their spokespersons explained that the goal was quite simply that Jesus loved and cared for anyone and everyone, which the commercial echoed, ending with four sentences that went across the screen saying, Jesus didn't teach hate, he washed feet. He gets us, all of us. Not only did the spot go viral, but it also became somewhat controversial, probably from every possible vantage point. From one corner, you had critics pointing out that with ad rates of $7 million for 30 seconds and the foot washing clocking in at a minute, there was that one camp saying, Jesus wouldn't have spent $14 million on a Super Bowl ad. He would have given it to the poor, the hungry, and the homeless, which is kind of an intellectually lazy argument that ignores that worldwide, Christianity is and has been the biggest charitable provider for everybody and all those in 
many other causes. So not an entirely well-founded argument, but whatever. Others took issue with the individuals that were depicted in the pictures because there was a variety of modern contexts of one person washing the feet of another from immigrants exiting a bus to clashing protest groups, including outside of an abortion clinic where this confused pregnant woman is getting her foot washed while there are pro-life protesters in the background. So some critics felt the organizers were making a and taking a very liberal, progressive political point and accusing those who hold more traditional conservative stances. Then some went deep diving and looked into who's involved in the foundation that funds this and were convinced that this was a trap because as progressive and woke as the one camp was arguing that those images were, those who donated to create and run them had this history of being outspoken in their Christian beliefs and were so intolerant, you know, because they believe really radical things like marriage is a covenant between a man and woman for life, or that life begins at conception. So viewers shouldn't be fooled, and somehow these ads were a trap. And just reading all the reactions and the opinion pieces, and even seeing people making their counter-commercials of what the original ads should have said, You could argue that the group's goal of sharing Jesus' life and love in thought-provoking new ways was actually very successful. Jesus provoked and provokes lots of division. As it's been said, Jesus comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. And it's hard to argue with their summary. Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. He gets us, all of us. All of that's true. And the reaction to me was interesting and giving a lot of food for thought for a variety of different reasons. He gets us, all of us. If people walk away with that message and it opens some space for the Holy Spirit to prompt curiosity, that's a great thing. Maybe someone needed to hear those truths. Maybe their experience of people acting in Jesus' name has yet to bear that out. Maybe the misconceptions others have made about Jesus and those of us who are trying our best to follow him have manipulated the thoughts and perspectives of people who don't know him or us. So this public relations messaging could be helpful and impactful. It would be hard to argue against any of that. On many levels, I really understand and appreciate the work that this group's trying to do because it's a great conversation starter. But it's a starter. And for those of us who, praise God, find ourselves here, we have to know that there's a lot more to it than nodding in agreement with an advertising and then reacting to it on social media as we go to the next commercial for Coors Light or some snack. Unfortunately, in our world with its minutes-long attention span at best on anything that can very easily be the case, where at the end of the Super Bowl, people are left saying, Chiefs won, Jesus is cool, got to get some Doritos. Putting the the Chiefs aside and the Doritos, Jesus is more than cool. Not a way, a truth, a life, but he is the way, the truth, the life. And he who is our Savior 
has come to save us, to save us from sin and death. He gets us, all of us, that us as human beings on our own, left to our own devices, are way too quick to fall for the same twists and manipulations and diabolical plans of the devil. The devil or Satan is always consistent. First he lies and deceives, and then he accuses. He tempts us to sin, and he keeps reminding us that that's all we are, sinners. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And just a few chapters later in that same book of Genesis, which we heard in that first reading at Mass today, we get this excerpt of the story of Noah. The church gives us this this brief passage to bring to mind the whole story of why there was a flood and why there was an ark. After Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden, God in his love provided and, and created a new path forward for them. Yet, as humanity had grown and multiplied, unfortunately, so had the brokenness and the waywardness of mankind. The parental example of Adam and Eve had affected the offspring. And now sin is seemingly everywhere. The book of Genesis describes it like this. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. It's breathtaking to read that, that that grieved God to his heart. But then Genesis continues. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Where Adam and Eve literally had one job and failed, Genesis will tell us Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. So God sees hope in the heart of the creation he has made. That man can be obedient, can listen to God, and can flourish. And that's why God directed Noah to build the ark. He's not going to obliterate the world and wipe it out completely, which we couldn't blame him if he did. It's his creation, and his creatures were messing it all up. But God decides to recreate things, to start over again with the obedience of Noah. All will not be lost. Humanity, creation itself, is saved from sin on that ark. And it will continue once the waters recede. And the rainbow we hear about, it's Its true meaning is that sign of God's covenant with humanity, that the cleansing flood was a once-in-creation thing. God would never direct that type of occurrence in creation to eliminate evil from the face of the earth again. But as righteous as Noah was, he was very much human. And spoiler alert, after the floods, after this recreation, Noah himself learned that the human condition was still very much prone to fail, to fall to, for those twists and manipulations and those diabolical plans of the devil, which is why God himself comes down and becomes one of us, one with us in the incarnation. Jesus Christ, fully God and man, is called the new Adam, 
the righteous one who's singularly focused on doing and showing that it is possible to do all that the Lord commands us. The words of the psalm that we, we had today, it's more than just a nice sentiment or some pleasant thought or idealistic hope. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. In Jesus, he teaches us that those words and he demonstrates the reality and the truth behind them. And that's why we hear about Jesus being tempted by the devil in the desert every year on this first Sunday of Lent. Of the three accounts from the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, this one from Mark is the shortest with the least amount of detail. But Mark gives a very unique perspective in his sharing. Mark's description of the temptation parallels what Adam and Eve were doing back in Genesis. That This one biblical scholar pointed out, Adam in the garden and Jesus in the desert, they're both tempted by Satan, they're both among wild beasts, they're both in the company of angels. But Jesus, as the new Adam, is superior to Adam in resisting temptation while Adam gives in to them. With the added significance that Adam fell even though he was in, living in this God-created earthly paradise, while Jesus prevails dwelling in a God-forsaken desert. For humanity that wants to experience that recreation, to follow the new Adam, we come to the church, which has become the new ark. And our sins are washed away, not drowning in some flood, but in the life-giving waters a baptism where we become members of Jesus' body and blood and restored as God's beloved sons and daughters. That's what St. Peter's talking about in his second reading today. Yes, Jesus gets us, all of us. And that's why he's come and wants to offer his salvation to those who wish to receive it. The one correction I would provide to that ad is that there is one thing that Jesus does hate. And permits us to hate and in fact teaches us to hate. And that's sin. That's the devil and all of his forces and influences. And yes, washing feet was a a vital lesson that Jesus lived and demonstrated and, and taught as foundational for Christians, for every one of us as his disciples. And that's at the heart of the almsgiving or the the service, one of the three gospel principles along with fasting and prayer, that are essential to our faith lives. That's why we focus and emphasize prayer, fasting, and almsgiving in a particular way as Lent becomes our our annual spiritual spring training. Because we know, even after being saved in our baptisms, how often we find ourselves right back there in that desert of temptation, in seemingly countless times and ways that seem to cause us to forget that we've been saved. This first week of Lent, maybe we can focus on the the temptations that we do give into to undermine our dignity as God's beloved sons and daughters, the sins that diminish Jesus' centrality in our lives, recognizing that we're not alone in this desert. Jesus comes with us, longing to restore our baptismal dignity when we thoroughly examine our conscience, when we go to confession and we experience his healing and reconciliation. Wanting to feed us with his very body and blood in the Eucharist, 
to nourish us with his very self. Yes, Jesus gets us and knows how hard it is. And that's why he's with us. And he gives us these ways to help us in our following him. May we let him.